one, two, three. Hello, this is Tyler Orton, reporter at Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. Welcome back to the show. So as the economy slowly reopens, I want to turn our attention to Canada's clean tech economy. It's one that might be poised for further emergence as the pandemic pushes us to rethink so many things that we used to think of as just natural happenstance. Our guest today is Steve Oldham. He is CEO of Squamish-based Carbon Engineering. It's best known for its innovative carbon capture technology. It's caught the attention of everyone from Bill Gates to the World Economic Forum. Steve, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So some very cool stuff with regards to carbon from the air that you guys are capturing, repurposing it. But tell us, tell our listeners and viewers what you guys are doing exactly. How does this technology work? So firstly, um, just take a second to, to differentiate what we do versus what a lot of people might hear about in terms of carbon capture. So, you know, we, we, there's a lot of focus on the need to remove CO2 and reduce CO2 levels to address the worst impacts of climate change. And fundamentally, there's two things you can do. The first thing you can do is you can eliminate all the emissions on the planet. And that's very challenging to do. There are literally billions of separate emissions of many different types all across the world. The second thing you can do is you can pull CO2 back out of the atmosphere, put it back underground or convert it into a product. So there's two different solutions. And of course, the right answer is you do a bit of both um, to address the problem. So we do the second one. So we're one of only three companies in the world that, that takes CO2 directly out of the atmosphere. And you know, if you think about it, that might be the CO2 that you emitted on your holiday last year when you went to Hawaii or wherever it was you went or you drove to, to uh, the Okanagan. Um, so this is a way you can remove legacy CO2 as well as uh, eliminating the impacts of today's CO2 emissions. Well, one of the stories that just coming up from you guys in this past week, uh, you got the nod from the World Economic Forum as one of the top technology pioneers, but you guys are also breaking ground on a new center over in Squamish. Tell me a little bit what this center will be doing. Yeah, so we've, we have a pilot plant in Squamish, uh, British Columbia, which we've had for uh, five years now. Uh, and the, the new validation center, we, we call it the innovation center, um, will be our permanent long-term R&D home. So our business model is that we will license our technology for carbon capture to different companies around the world, different governments around the world, uh, so that they can build carbon capture facilities to address the impacts of climate change. So for that type of licensing business model, we need to have continuous improvement of our technology. We need to be able to optimize it. We need to reduce costs. We need to test new materials, new chemicals. And that's what our facility in Squamish will do. So it will be a continuously operating direct air capture plant. We'll also have the ability to make fuel. So we take CO2 from the atmosphere, we combine it with clean hydrogen, and that makes a sustainable synthetic hydrocarbon, which can be gasoline, it can be diesel, it can be kerosene. So the facility in, in uh, Kelowna, I'm personally really excited about because, sorry, in, um, in Squamish, I'm really excited about because it reinforces that our company wants its long-term home to be here in British Columbia. Uh, it's where our company will be based. It's where we'll do our research and development. And, and hopefully it's where we bring this technology to the world from. Well, you guys have obviously been getting a lot of attention from investors, raising tens of millions of dollars. I'm wondering how has that helped you with the commercialization process? Where is the commercialization process uh, right now? 
Yeah, so, you know, think of our company as basically having two strands of activity right now. Uh, the first is continuously improving our technology further and refining it. And that's what the uh, Innovation Center in Squamish is doing for us. In parallel, we're ready to deploy the first iteration of our technology. It's deployment ready. We have a climate change problem. There's no reason why we can't get on with deployment. So um, last year, we announced a one megaton facility uh, in the United States, likely to be in Texas. So one megaton of atmospheric CO2, uh, the plant will capture every year. That's the equivalent of 40 million trees. So each plant does a huge amount of work towards addressing climate change. Um, so um, we're uh, going through the design phase on that plant. Typically the design phase takes about 18 months. You work through all the cost trade-offs, you talk to suppliers, you select your land, you look through all the uh, energy supplies, those types of things. And we're expecting to proceed into uh, into construction uh, sometime next year. Well, speaking of that business model, like one of the things that I noticed when the pandemic first unfolded is I, I would just look out my window and there weren't be that many cars on the road anymore. That's quickly changed. I, I look out the window now and there's yet again, cars on the road, emissions are still coming. That effort for us to just naturally reduce our emissions, I, I think we just have a capacity to bounce back and get into old habits. How do you foresee the pandemic impacting kind of the, the demand for the technology as well moving forward? You know, I, so I'm going to give you two answers to this question, because in my mind, there's two possibilities. Um, it'll be pretty obvious which one I prefer, but I'll give you two answers. So the first answer is that the pandemic will significantly slow down the uh, addressing of climate change because companies, governments, individuals will have higher priorities. Everybody will be focused on getting back to work. Everyone will be focused on rebuilding the economy. And of course, those are all extremely worthy activities. We'll continue to be focused on staying safe. Um, so climate change and addressing that will take a backseat to the realities of today's uh, economic challenge. That's my first answer. My second answer is we just caught a glimpse over the last few months of what happens when we ignore a problem. We all wish today that we could have set up a much more extensive pandemic testing system and had our uh, relevant medical authorities already with this type of, of protection. Climate change is the same. We, we can't stop it, it's coming. And um, yeah, we can either choose to address it now or we can wait and feel the impact later. And the impact will be very similar. It'll have a massive economic effect. So the other answer, the second answer is that, you know, governments, the general public, companies will look at what happened with the pandemic and say, we can't be caught exposed again. We have to prepare in advance and we need to start doing something about this now. Well, it's been interesting for me talking to a wide range of sectors about how you know policy priorities might be changing within government. Do you think this might even be the opportunity for government to take a harder look at investments in the green economy? Realize, you know what, if we're doing a major reset for so many things right now, this might be the time for us to you know take that path more towards kind of clean technology, green technologies as well. Yeah, I certainly think so. I mean, I I strongly believe that. Um, decarbonization is going to become one of the largest industries of the 21st century. Uh, in Canada, we have a great opportunity to be at the forefront of that, that change because we have some great clean tech companies, many in British Columbia and Vancouver, as, as I'm sure you know. Uh, and we also have the natural resources 
you know, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, we have huge opportunity to, to bury CO2 back underground again. It's a great location to safely store CO2. So there's an opportunity here to, to position in, to take a leading role in one of the largest growing sectors of, of world economy over the next decade and, and two decades. So yeah, I think there is a chance for government in setting policy, in looking at various stimulus and recovery packages to emphasize the need for addressing climate change. You know, I'm not naive in this. It has to be balanced against the very real needs to get people back to work uh, and to protect people's incomes. That's, that's critical. Um, but there's a good opportunity, I think, to balance and, and uh, promote climate change uh, being addressed as part of this, this change that we're going to see in the world. Well, you mentioned one of the challenges moving forward could be, you know, whether or not government puts other things a uh, top priority moving forward. But, but beyond that, you know, what other challenges might exist towards getting, you know, what you guys do off the ground? Does it come down to buy-in from potential customers? Does it just come down to some of the technology, technological feats that you guys have to accomplish? You know, as much as anything, it's it's recognition of first of all the climate change problem, which I think is growing all the time. I I personally believe we are over the the hump of the world acknowledging and recognizing now that climate change is an issue. Something has to be done. The second thing that that we found is there's so much attention and focus on stopping emissions, and generally. It, naturally that's going to gravitate towards those things you can do sooner and quicker so for example electric cars fantastic technology absolutely we should look at doing as many electric cars as we can renewable energy the same thing but that's only going to solve a portion of our emission problem so what do we do about the rest and again there's, there's not a, a widespread recognition of, of the following even if you stop emissions completely across the planet overnight today, 95% of the CO2 that causes the climate change problem is already up in the atmosphere. It went yesterday and the day before and the day before that and all the way back to 1850 or whenever it was we started using coal. So recognition of the fact that we have to remove CO2 from the atmosphere as well as addressing emissions is a critical thing for us. We've seen recently the scientists uh, all have come to the same conclusion, saying the same thing. You mentioned earlier on, we were honored to be on the World Economic Forum list of innovative companies. There are actually two direct air capture companies on that list, which I think demonstrates that the recognition that this is a technology and a need that we, we, have, to, we have to have addressed. One of the other things that you brought up just at the beginning of our conversation was, you know, you guys are repurposing the carbon that you are capturing into different products. And tell me, though, uh, just explain that. Are these, you know, clean fuels or, or cleaner fuels? Uh, what is kind of the response from, you know, potential customers as well from what you guys are able to kind of demonstrate at this point? Yeah, so just to talk about sort of how the technology works first, um, obviously we capture CO2 from the atmosphere. So that's negative CO2. It has a negative footprint um, because it came straight from the atmosphere. We then have to generate hydrogen. So you can generate hydrogen using um, clean electricity. And of course, here in BC, we have uh, BC Hydro. So our electricity is clean. So you combine our negative emission CO2 with hydrogen and you put that into a technology, gas to liquids technology, we use a process called Fischer-Tropes, which is a well-established chemical process. And that produces the fuel. Sorry. 
that produces a fuel and the fuel, the production of the fuel has a carbon footprint, of course it does. Um, everything you do has a carbon footprint, but the fact that we started with negative emission CO2 means that you essentially eliminate that carbon footprint. So the fuel that we produce is, um, uh, is close to carbon neutral. Um, fuel from fossil fuel, you know, when you put that in your car is almost 100% um, CO2 content. Ours is much, much lower than that. Uh, and it's the same, we can make fertilizers, we can make chemicals, um, anything that uses CO2 as a product can be made in a much lower carbon footprint way. Um, so in terms of bringing that to the market, there's fundamentally two challenges. The first is it costs more than regular fossil fuel. Regular fossil fuel is very cheap to produce, um, but it has these side effects. So we need government policy or public opinion that buying a high carbon fuel is not acceptable and it has to be replaced with a lower carbon fuel. So British Columbia here, we have a low carbon fuel standard that's, that's coming in that, that uh, drives carbon reduction. We have carbon taxes. So the policies at the government level that incentivize lower carbon products, the first thing. The second thing, of course, is distribution. Fuel is such a huge market. We have such an established supply chain. So getting fuel to each and every gas station around the province uh, and around the world is, is a huge logistical challenge. You know, you guys are doing some pretty cool things. You also look at other companies in BC, whether it's Ballard, Westport, Methanex, uh, a lot of really cool clean tech companies coming out of this province. Uh, what is it like doing uh, business in this province? You guys are obviously investing big in Squamish. Why is it, you know, BC is the right place to be doing, you know, clean tech sort of business right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the, the first thing I would say is that, uh, you know, we have no problem getting employees uh, and great employees out uh, to, to come to work for us. Um, British Columbia is such a beautiful place to live. We're all extremely fortunate. Uh, in that. And I think it breeds a mindset in the population of the, of the province that yeah, we have such beautiful natural surroundings, we can't allow that to slip. And I think that's one of the reasons why you have such a, a powerful clean tech community here in BC. Part of our mindset as a province is we want to protect the environment. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say, certainly bringing in employees and keeping them and motivating them is, is uh, we live in a great place for that. In terms of doing business, uh, we're right next to the US. Um, so, you know, Canada has, has long been seen by the US as a, as a good place to do business with. We enjoy a, a lower cost of employment, a lower cost of, uh, of goods um, here in BC compared to the United States with the US dollar. Um, and we have, generally speaking, we have governments that are environmentally inclined. They reflect the wishes of the people to see a strong environmental policy. So when you add those things together, um, you know, Carbon Engineering relocated from Alberta in, I think it was 2013, before my time. Um, and uh, when we were looking where to relocate, BC with all of those characteristics was, was a great place to be. And, and certainly we found uh, being here and being in Squamish, where we have a very supportive community, supportive municipality. Yeah, it's been a great place to locate. Well, you know, it's just been awesome following your guys' journey at this point. And you can really tell what you're doing has some true purpose. It'll have some impacts on not just the economy, but the environment. And so, Steve, I just want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and thank you for your interest. 
That's Steve Oldham. He is CEO of Carbon Engineering, and that's it for the show today. I'm Tyler Orton. You can find more interviews, more stories over at BIV.com. We'll be back next week.